You're listening to Family, a sermon series about what a biblical household looks like. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. All right, how are we doing, Elevate? We doing good? Yeah? Yeah. Look at the person sitting next to you and ask them if they like your hair. Now tell them it doesn't matter what you think. You know you're beautiful, right? You don't really care. You don't really care. Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Robert Andrews. I'm one of the pastors here at Elevate Church, and I am so glad that you are joining us today. We are in the second week of a series that we have started called Family. Family, and last week we said that we all have family. Uh, some of us have loving family. Some of us grew up maybe with a, a family that was full of hate. Some of us now have uh, blended families. Some of us have people who really aren't blood related to us, but because we have such a great relationship, they really have become part of our family. Uh, some of us have a little dysfunction in our families. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the truth is all families kind of like fudge, you know. It's mostly sweet, but there are a few nuts, you know what I mean? Anybody know? No, don't point. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Yeah, so last week we said that we all want to see our families blessed. That's what we want because the opposite of wanting to see your family blessed would be that you want to see your family cursed. And hopefully that's not you, because if you really want to see your family cursed, you need more hugs in your life, right? We want to see our families blessed. But unfortunately, when you look around at most families in the world today, we, we rarely use that word blessed to describe families. With so many families fighting, with so many families divorcing, and so many families struggling. We don't really say that most families are blessed. We say that most families, even our families, are stressed. Our families are having a tough time. And sometimes we look at our own families and we just feel overwhelmed by everything that seems to be going on. And so as we start today, let me just, let me kind of just ask this question, uh, kind of get you, get you, get you loose a little bit. How many of you guys have ever been robbed? You've been robbed before? Yeah, a couple of us. I, I've been robbed a, a few times. Uh, I've been robbed. And the thing is, nobody likes a thief. Nobody likes somebody who steals, right? Uh, even a thief doesn't like a thief. Like if you steal from a thief, they're going to get mad, right? Even if you're stealing back the stuff they stole from you, right? They're going to be mad. Don't be taking my stuff. You're like, dude, that was my stuff. But anyway, they're going, nobody likes, Nobody likes a thief. And, and before Amanda and I got married, the house that, we, that I was living in, really, it got robbed. Uh, and then after we got married, we moved in together. A few months later, the house got robbed uh, again. So I decided to spend the rest of my adult life really preparing for the next time somebody broke into my house. You know what I mean? Uh, when I'm sleeping, if I hear a noise, man, I am up. You know what I'm saying? I'm ready for war. At least that's what I tell myself. You know what I mean? But I remember a couple years ago, uh, it had been, it was raining outside. It was, it was middle of the night. I'm sleeping good, and it's raining real bad. And all of a sudden, I hear the sound of, gr of glass breaking in our house. Man, I jumped up out of the bed. Amanda, she's scared to death. Sadie Kate, she's scared to death. Brianna Grace is, she didn't even budge, you know what I mean? She was, she was sleeping, but I jump out of bed, and I run up towards the front, uh, really in my underwear. And apparently what had happened, nobody was in the house, but what had happened was the thunder was so loud that the thunder shook the entire house, and there was a glass globe on one of our lights that basically came loose 
fell to the ground and shattered into 17,437 pieces. And so, uh, man, so I go back to the bedroom. My adrenaline, you know, is still up. I was like, man, I was in that zone. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, you're like, I'm ready to go. That's how I was. And Amanda is just shaking her head at me like I'm an idiot. And she said, Robert, you, you, you just ran up there. You didn't grab a gun or anything like that. What if somebody would have been in the house? I just looked at her. I said, baby, even though I might not have had a gun, don't you ever forget about these guns. I'm always packing. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's what I told her, true story. But all men, all men know that we are called and we feel this responsibility to protect our families, right? Even women, they feel this responsibility to protect their families. Like, like there, there's, there's more power in a woman when it comes to protecting her child than you and I can imagine. A, a mother can really take on a bear, you know what I'm saying, if they come after her kids. Again, there's something inside each and every one of us that really wants to protect our homes. We want to protect our families. And in the culture in which we live, we're, we're really applauded for protecting our kids physically. I mean, think about how times have changed. You know what I mean? Our kids nowadays, we put helmets on them. We put elbow pads, knee pads. We spray them with sunscreen lotion and mosquito spray before we let them go check the mail. You know what I'm saying? We, we want to we wanna protect them, right? When they're in the car, what do we say? We say, buckle up. When they're crawling around the house, we're like, don't put your finger in that socket. Don't do that. Don't eat that off of the floor. Lawson, he'll go up to our dogs, pull their ears. I'm like, don't pull the dog's ears. Why? Why? Because that will hurt you. We do everything again that we can to protect our kids physically. But the truth is, more often than not, we neglect to protect their hearts and their morals. We do. We're applauded for protecting our family, again, physically, but, but people make fun of you when you try to protect their morals and when you try to protect their purity and when you try to protect their innocence. Like, like if you have a child and you don't let your child do something or go somewhere, people say, man, you just need to lighten up. You're an overprotected parent. If, if you yourself say, I'm not going to go here because I know what this temptation will do to me. I'm not going to partake in this. People look at you and they will oftentimes make fun of you. Well, today I want you to see that God calls us not only to protect our families physically, but he calls us to protect our family's purity and our family's heart. You need to understand that. And we just mentioned that none of us, none of us like to be robbed, Right? None of us like to be robbed, but the truth is we have a spiritual enemy. We have a spiritual enemy who wants to rob our families of their purity. He, he wants to break in. He wants to kill. He wants to steal. He wants to destroy. In fact, if you read John chapter 10, verse 10, here's what the Bible says. Here's what Jesus says about the enemy. He says, the thief comes only. Everybody say only. Only to steal and to kill and to destroy. That is all he does. He only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you look around at today, at families today, it's obvious that he's pretty effective. With over 50% of marriages ending in divorce, statistics even say that one in every three marriages, one in every three marriages, one or both partners admit to having an affair. That is crazy. That is crazy. Marriages are in trouble. 
Children are in trouble. Families are in trouble. Something has to change. Something has to change. Especially if we want our families to really be blessed. See, Jesus preaches the most famous sermon ever preached. Jesus preaches what's known as the Sermon on the Mount. He gathers on a mountainside to preach, and people gather around Jesus to hear his teaching. Man, and he just gives us unbelievable advice. And, and again, he, he says, hey, look, if you'll do these things, you will be blessed. And so what we're doing is we are specifically applying what Jesus said to our families. And last week we said, look, if you really want your families to be blessed, you need to have a hunger and thirst for righteousness. You don't need to feed off the junk food that this world has to offer. You don't need to feed off the things that are really going to destroy your family. You've got to change your appetites. And, and so instead of us really, really feeding on those things, we're going to desperately thirst and hunger for God. And so uh, this week, I want us to look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, if you got your Bibles. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, this really, this entire series. But here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. He says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. Well, well what does that even mean? What does that word heart mean? Uh, that the word that is used there in the Greek is actually the word cardia. It's where we get our word cardiac from. That's where we, we get our word cardiac from. And Jesus was using this as an illustration. Jesus wasn't saying, blessed are you if you have a pure organ that pumps blood throughout your veins. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's using this as a metaphor. He, he's using this to describe the emotions and the feelings and, and the character and the inner self. Basically, all the Beatitudes have to deal with our actions, our thoughts, and our motives towards other people. But what we're doing again is we're specifically applying what he said to the family. And Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart. The pure in heart. Now, in the world in which we live, it's very common for us to look at people and, and, and to even think about ourselves. That person has a good heart. Have you ever said that about somebody? That person's got a good heart. He's got a good heart. She's got a good heart. They've got a good heart. We've got a, 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 good, a good heart. But the truth is, that's really not true of any of us. It's not. Let me show you what the scripture says about your heart and my heart and all of our heart. In Jeremiah chapter 17, starting in verse 9, here's what the Bible says. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. What, what does that mean, the heart is deceitful? That means your heart will deceive you. Your heart will lie to you. So when people say things like, just follow your heart, don't do that because, again, your heart will lie to you. It's deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is talking to the church in Ephesus, and, and he says, hey, look, there are some people that, that really were followers of God, and now they've basically turned their backs, and, and they're non-believers. They've drifted from the faith. And look at what he says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18. He says, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their what? Their hearts. Their hearts. That verse says they are separated from the life of God. And the crazy thing is, 
they don't even realize it. They don't even realize it because they are darkened again in their understanding. How many of you, how many of you have ever walked into a dark movie theater? You've walked into a dark movie theater. A couple of you, how many of y'all, have, y'all know what a movie theater is? Okay, yeah. It's where you go watch a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So movie theater. So you walk into a movie theater. Have you ever walked in? I mean, it'll be light out in the hallway. It'll be light out in the hallway, out in the foyer. And then you walk into that dark, that dark movie theater. And, you know, it kinda, you're kind of hit by the darkness. You know what I'm saying? You, you know, anybody know what I'm talking about? You kind of panic a little bit. You look at the kids. You're like, hey, don't spill, don't spill the popcorn and don't spill the candy and the cheese roll-ups that we snuck in and smuggled in from Taco Bell. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Y'all smuggle anything in? Me neither. I know people who do that, though, so pray for them, but, uh, Amanda. Uh, but what happens when you're in the dark theater for a few minutes is you're able to see better. I mean, at first you weren't able to see, right? But after you've been there for a little while, your eyes, they start to adjust to the darkness. Well, could it be that in the majority of our homes that the reason why we're not really able to see the goodness of God is because we've just adjusted to the darkness. We've just adjusted to the darkness around us. And couldn't it be that because of the ignorance that is within us, due to the hardening of our hearts, that we've allowed so much impurity into our families, and again, we're not even aware that it's happening. Could it be that that's exactly where we were, where we are? See, Paul tells this church in Ephesus this, that these people, they followed their hearts, and then he tells them exactly where it led them in verse 19. He says, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. Paul says they've lost all sensitivity. Paul's not saying that they're no longer sensitive to people. That's that's not what he's saying. Again, Paul is saying they're not even aware that this has happened to them. Did you know that there is a medical condition that is called congenital insensitivity to pain? Anybody heard of that? You know what I'm saying? It's It's a rare condition where people can't feel any type of physical pain. People, many people who have this, they, they usually die in childhood because, uh, because of an illness or an injury that goes unnoticed. And the most common injury that leads to death for an individual that has this condition is a burn injury. Burn injury. They, they just don't even realize it. They don't realize that there's, that there's a problem. They just don't, don't realize it. Again, Paul is saying that there are some people in the church who aren't even aware that they're in darkness. There's some people in the church who aren't even aware that there is a problem. See, see in the families that we love and in the families that we have, we want to protect them. We want to guard our marriages. We want to protect the next generation. And so hopefully none of us would ever look at a small child and say, hey, I've got a great idea. Why don't you go play out in the middle of the interstate. Like Lawson Cruz, my son, he's one, just turned one this past week, had his birthday yesterday. I would never, I would never grab him and put him in the middle of a busy road and say, hey, buddy, just have a good time. I would never, ever do that. Why? Because that's dangerous. Can we agree? 
Can you agree with me on that? It's dangerous. Why is it then that we'll let our young teenage girls crawl in the car with a hairy leg, pimple-faced, punk we ain't never met? It's just as dangerous. Why is it that we'll give our kids access to mobile devices, unlimited access where they can be exposed to all sorts of things, things that we would never want for them? It's considered normal. Why? It's dangerous. It's literally like taking your child and setting them in the middle of a busy intersection. And say play, it's dangerous. Could it be that some of our homes are not blessed because of the hardening of our hearts? We're darkened in our understanding and without even realizing it, we've lost all sensitivity and we're indulging in every kind of evil. Again, if we want our families to be blessed It's not going to happen by you and I being normal in the eyes of this world. It's not. It's not going to happen. The psalmist asks in Psalm 119, verses 9 through 10, he says this, How can a young person stay on the path of purity? If you're a young person, this is a great question for you to ask yourself. If If you have children, this is a great question. How can a young person stay on the path of Purity. How is it possible with all the temptations in this world? How is it possible? Our culture would tell you, just follow your heart. Just follow your heart. But remember, that's the dumbest advice that you can give somebody because your heart is deceitful. I have seen married people follow their heart into into divorce and into affair. I have seen fathers follow their hearts and do things that are going to affect their children for the rest of their lives. I have seen mothers follow their heart and make mistakes, huge mistakes that have all these unbelievable consequences. I've seen children follow their heart and do things that cause their parents so much grief and so much pain. Again, don't follow your heart. Your heart is deceitful. It will lie to you. So how can a young person stay on the path of purity? Here's it, here it is. By living according to your word. Whose word? God's word. God's word. Verse 10. Again, you want to stay on the path of purity. Here's what it says. I will seek you with all of my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. Just how we did last week, we took a word and we kind of rewrote it to, 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 to kind of look at our families. I did the same thing with this verse right here. And if you wanted to kind of apply this verse to your family, here's what it would say. It says, how can our family stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. We will seek you with all of our hearts. God, do not let us stray from your commands What would happen if your family said, this is what we're going to do? Would your family be blessed? I believe it would be blessed beyond all understanding or comprehension. We need the precious word of God in our life. And parents, listen to me. If your kids don't see you living by the word of God, 
If they see you just following your heart, if they see you doing that, they're going to live the same way you do. And the consequences will be devastating. So in our families, in our homes, how can we create this culture of purity? Well, if you're taking notes, you want to write them down. i got three things for you. Everybody with me? Good job. Okay. All right, the first thing, if you want to create a culture of purity in your home, is you've got to start with yourself. You've got to get your own heart right first. You've got to get your own heart right first. First, it doesn't matter if you are 18 or if you are 90. I believe that you set the tone for the relationships around you. You set the tone no matter where you are. And what you have to decide is that you are going to lead toward purity. Now, can I confess some things to you? Yeah, Robert, we love it when you confess things to us. Praise God. Let me confess to you. Look, the past few weeks have been pretty tough for me, okay? A little bit longer than that, actually. I've been kind of going through some stuff, just processing some things in my mind and just, uh, just a lot going on. And I don't tell you that so that you feel bad for me because I know everybody in here has troubles and I know everybody in here has sorrows. Uh, but again, it's just been, just been kind of tough couple of couple of weeks for me. So this past week, I had a, I had a pretty bad day. I'm driving down the road and there's this guy that gets right up on the rear end of my car. So I'm like, man, what in the world is this guy doing? And so he backs up and he pulls forward again like he's going to bump me. And I'm thinking, I know I didn't, I know I didn't pull out in front of this guy. What, what's going on? And so I'm in the right lane. We're on the interstate. I'm in the right lane, not the passing lane. There's an 18-wheeler in front of me and there's all these cars beside me, but he just keeps on doing it and doing it. And I look in my rearview mirror and he's He's got his arms up and doing all this other good stuff. And so I thought, well, now's a good time for me to check and see if my brakes work. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so I slammed on the brakes, and he got over in the left lane, and he pulls up beside me, and he rolls his window down, and he's waving something at me. He's waving something at me, and so I roll my window down. And he says, oh, bust out your bleep, 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 windshield. And he's yelling at me, and he's cussing at me. And so I start yelling back. I ain't cuss, at least out loud. But I'm yelling back at this guy. I'm yelling back at this guy, and this guy's yelling at me, pull over right now, pull over right now, pull over right now. Well, folks, I always got 16 friends with me when I'm driving, okay? And so he don't know that. And so he's saying, pull over right now. And I, I yell, bruh, you don't want none of what I got. And he's, pull over right now. Pull. And then he started talking about my mama. And don't nobody talk about my mama. I'm from Pearl, man. You just don't do that. This is a true story. And so I start yelling again back at this guy. Pull over right now. Well, I finally, I mean, I'm, I'm mad. You know what I'm saying? And like, I, I can tell this is not going to be good. And so I'd get tired of it, and I'd just say, bye, Felicia, and i roll my window up, you know, and he, he goes off, you know what I'm saying? But, like, really, honestly, honestly, I wanted to pull over, and I wanted to see what was up. I did. I wanted to see what was up, but I didn't. Okay, so I get home, and I sit down on the couch, and you know when you get mad, 
and you, you can just feel your blood pressure up. You might know what I'm talking about. Man, I, I just can feel my blood pressure up. And so I'm sitting there, and I get on Facebook. And you know how on Facebook, if you have a Facebook, this will make sense to you. If not, I'm sorry. But it, on Facebook, it'll say, hey, you got these memories. You want to see these memories? And so I said, yeah, I want to see these memories. And so I click on the memories, and a memory popped up, and it was something that I wrote. And this is it. We got it. I don't, you might not be able to see it, but I just wanted you to see it. And I won't read it to you. But here's what it says. It says, God has entrusted me with this precious gift. Help me, God, to show him how a godly man should live. Lawson Cruz Andrews. Man, can I just tell you that my own words right there pierced my heart. I thought back to just 30 minutes before when I'm yelling on the interstate and acting like an idiot. Me. And I thought, man, I got so much work that needs to be done right here. Right here, I got to get my heart right. And maybe you're not like me. Maybe your heart is perfect. Man, praise the Lord. I'd love to shake your hand after church and see your halo. <laughs> man. But seeing that, man, seeing that, thinking, man, I don't want my son to grow up and see that guy. I don't want my son to grow up and think outbursts of anger and childishness like that are acceptable because they're not. So I pray. I pray what the psalmist prayed in Psalm 139, verse 23. Search me, God, and know my heart. Let me know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the path of everlasting. God, show me. Show me if there's anything in my heart that needs to be removed. Do you have the guts to pray that prayer? If you really want your family to be blessed, you need to pray that prayer. If you're going to create a culture of purity in your, in your family, you got to get your own heart right first. You set the tone. You lead toward purity. And it doesn't matter, again, how old you are, whether you're 7, 8, 18, 20, 30, 90. It doesn't matter. You set the tone for the relationships around you. Lead toward purity. So if you want to create a culture of purity in your home, you got to get your own heart right. And the second thing that I want you to see, if you're a parent, this is just for you, but you need to parent to the heart. Parent to the heart. The problem with so many parents, self-included, is oftentimes we only parent to actions. We only parent to actions. In other words, what we want from our children is good behavior. That's what we want, good behavior. We want good behavior and we forget about the heart. But all throughout the scripture, the scripture teaches us that there is more to a person than their actions. There is more to a person than is what, what is on the outside. In fact, when Samuel was anointing a king in Israel, when he was going to anoint David, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, he says this, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People 
Look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the what? The heart. The heart. The heart. Jesus was a fanatic about the heart. In the Old Testament, I mean, the, the, the word said, hey, look, do not murder. Do not murder. But Jesus comes along and Jesus speaks to the heart. And he says, hey, you know what? You've heard it said, do not murder. But I tell you that if you hate someone, you're already guilty of killing them in your heart. He says, hey, what? You've read the Old Testament. You've read the law. It says, do not commit adultery. But Jesus says, I tell you that if you looked lustfully among, upon a woman, you've already created, you've already, you've already uh, had committed an affair in your heart. Jesus always fussed at the Pharisees. Always fussed at them. Because they had everything looking right on the outside. Their actions looked good, but their hearts were far from God. And in Matthew chapter 23, verse 25, he looks at them and he says, Woe to you, scribes and teachers of the law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. Jesus said, what's in the heart is what matters the most. It's what's in the heart that is the most important. And so we don't settle for outward submission when there is still inward rebellion with our children. But the thing is, if you've got children, you've seen this happen, right? How many, how many of y'all got multiple kids, like maybe two kids, three kids, four kids, five kids? Man, oh my goodness, pray for y'all. Six kids. Anyway, so, so here's, I got, I, got, I got three. But if you've got more than one kid, you've seen this happen. One child will do something to another child, and what will you say? You go apologize right now. I don't want to apologize. I said go apologize, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? So what does that kid do? I'm sorry you got your feelings hurt, you stupid big baby. That's what they say, right? They did what you asked them to, but is their heart right? No. No. No, have you ever, has your kid ever said, can I, can I do this? And you say, no. And they say, fine, I hate you. Slam the door. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I bust my kid, they say that. Anyway. But you know what I'm saying? That's not okay. Why? Why? So what we want to do is we want to talk about the why behind the what, right? We want to say, here's why. You can't do what I'm asking, what you're asking to do. We continue to talk, we continue to pray, and we work toward the heart because the heart is really, really, really important. Right actions come from a right heart. Why do you think when so many kids turn 18 and move off from their mom and dad, I mean, they go nuts. They go cry, cry. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you look at some of them kids and you say, what in the world happened to that kid? I know their mom and dad didn't let them do that kind of stuff, right? Why is it that that happens for so many kids? It's because for 18 years, outwardly, 
outwardly they were submitting to the parents. But inwardly there was this rebellion that was never dealt with. So again, we parent to the heart. We, we work on the purity of the heart. And parents, the, reasons why, the reason why you need to work on your own heart first is again because if your kids don't see you living right, they're going to say, well, if it's okay for you to do this and you to do that, why can't I? Man, don't raise your hand here. But how many of y'all's parents, don't raise your hand, ever said, do as I say, not as I do? That's the worst parenting advice I've ever heard. I heard it. Don't tell. It was, uh, it was not my mom, though, but I heard it. Right? Don't tell mom I said that. She's probably listening online. Oh, my goodness. Oh, she's listening. That's, that's, I love you, mama. That's, but that's not good parenting, Right? It's not. Our kids need to see us get our hearts right. Right actions come from a right heart. So again, you want to create purity? You want to create a culture of purity in your, in your home? Get your own heart right first. Parents of the heart, third thing, if you keep notes, is this. We're going to pursue perfect purity. We're going to pursue perfect purity of the heart. You decide you're going to pursue perfect pure, purity. Now, the reason that I chose the word pursue is because you can't achieve it on your own. You can't. But with the help and power of God, you can pursue it. Why perfect purity? Robert, aren't you kind of raising the standard a little bit? Why can't we just pursue purity of the heart? Why not? Why has it got to be perfect purity? Well, can we just all admit that if it's not perfect purity... It's not really purity at all, right? So we're going to pursue perfect purity of the heart and our families. Look at what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5. Again, he's speaking to the church. He's talking to God's people. In Ephesians chapter 5, starting, uh, in, starting in verse 3, here's what Paul says. But among you, but among you, there must not be even a hint. Everybody say hint. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any other kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Again, this is completely different from what the world teaches you. The world teaches us, hey, you know, you can text that married person. You can text that married person. It's not really a big deal, right? You can, you can email that person over there. It doesn't really matter. Look, Compared to what other people are doing, what you did is not really that big a deal, but it is a big deal because the Bible says not even a hint. And if you still think it's not a big deal, think about it like this. How many of you like brownies? Ooh, I love me some brownies. Man, if you, hey, home, you put some homemade fresh brownies and some cold ice cream on a plate. God is good. I mean, I'm, we're about to have revival up in here. Amen. You know, I love me some, I love some brownies. So here's the deal. Let's say, how many of y'all do like brownies? I know I was kind of distracted by the glory of the brownie. Anyway, so I got to thinking. So if you go over to somebody's house and they said, hey, I got these fresh brownies coming out of the oven. 
would you like one? A lot of us would be like, oh, yes, sir, I would. Yes, ma'am, I would. I want a brownie. So they put it on the plate for you. And if before you took a bite, I mean, you got that fork in your hand. You can smell that brownie, warm brown, moist, was so good. And so before you eat that brownie, what if that person looked at you and said, hey, look, now, I just, I just want to tell you, before I made those brownies, I went out into the yard, and I got just a little bit of dog poo and put them in those brownies. It was just a little bit, just a hint, just a smidgen. Not a, it's not a big deal. You eat up and enjoy that brownie. What you going to do? I ain't eating that brownie. A little poo is still poo, right? I'm not, I'm not eating that brownie. Again, the Bible says not even a hint. Not even a hint of sexual immorality and of any other kind of impurity. Because those things are improper for God's people. That's why we don't just pursue purity. We pursue pursue perfect purity of the heart. I'm from Pearl, man. Anyway, here we go. I'm wrapping up. I'm almost done. Y'all still with me? Okay. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Maybe you're here today and you say, Robert, it's really hard to pursue perfect purity. It's hard to do that. Look, I know. I know it's tough. I know it's tough. That's why we need a miraculous work of God in our hearts and in our life. And I love what God says in Ezekiel chapter 36. Starting in verse 26, he says, this is God speaking. He says, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone. Now, some of us, our hearts have grown hard. That's why I love that God says, I'll give you a new heart. See, there's this standard of righteousness that you and I can't achieve on our own. It takes the power and goodness and work of Christ in our life. He says, I'll give you a new heart. I'll remove from you your heart of stone, give you a heart of flesh. Then he says, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Listen to me. Each and every one of us need a work of God in our life. Each and every one of us, we need a work of God in our families. Wouldn't you love to actually be able to see God in your life? Wouldn't you love to actually be able to see God in your families? If that's really what you want, don't forget what Jesus said because Jesus is not a liar. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. That's a guarantee. It's not a maybe. It's not a might. It's a guarantee. And so my prayer is that God would help me to have a pure heart so that I can see him like I've never seen him before. That's my prayer for each and every one of you today. 
So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual walk, but I do know that there are probably some people here who still have that heart of stone. And you know you need a new heart. You know today that you need to become a new creation. And if that's you, that you know it needs to happen and you want it to happen. You want to be different. If you want to be saved, I want you to know that Jesus can and will save you today if you want it. And so if that's what you want, I'm going to ask that you pray right where you are. Father, today I need you. I need a miraculous work of you. I need you to save me from my sin, to save me from myself. I surrender to you. And I ask today that you would mold me into the person that you want me to be. I pray that you would give me a new heart. I pray that you would put your spirit in me so that I'll be moved to follow your commands, to live the way that you want. Thank you for saving me. We're going to continue to pray. Heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. But listen, if you pray to receive Christ today, if you pray to be saved, right where you are, I'm just going to ask that you do me a favor. Nobody's looking around, it's just me. But I'm going to ask that you lift your hand just so I can know that God's moving. Amen. 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 Pray to be saved today. Amen. Father, thank you for new life. I pray, Father, that these who have decided to surrender their heart to you, Father, would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have done a miraculous work in their life. Father, I pray today they would know that they have new life, that they are yours, Father, and I pray that they really would live for you each and every day. Father, I pray for each and every person in this room that you would truly help us to create an environment of purity in our homes for our families. Father, I pray that you would help us truly to have pure hearts so that we can see you like never before. Thank you for all that you're doing. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.